Welcome to the Gifford Provider Podcast. This is the podcast of Gifford Healthcare located in central Vermont. I'm Scott Fleischman and I'm the communication specialist for Gifford. Gifford is a nonprofit critical access hospital and federally qualified health center with a total of nine locations throughout central Vermont. The main medical center in Randolph is home to a 24-hour emergency department, inpatient and rehabilitation units, a renowned birthing center, accredited cancer program, advanced diagnostic imaging, surgery, and much more. Go to giffordhealthcare.org to find all the services we provide. My guest for this episode is Gifford podiatrist, Dr. Nick Benoit. Dr. Benoit first joined Gifford in 2007. He's board certified by the American Board of Podiatric Orthopedics and Primary Podiatric Medicine, as well as the American Board of Podiatric Surgery. His clinical interests include sports medicine, diabetes, foot care, wound care, and reconstructive foot and ankle surgery. Dr. Benoit, thanks for joining us. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. You were just coming out of a surgery this morning. So it's, I did. Uh, it's nonstop for you. Yep. Just got out of doing a case this morning. Then went down, saw an inpatient, took care of uh, foot infection down there. And now I'm up here visiting with you, which is a great treat this morning. Well, before we get into more of our foot care conversation, if you're watching us on YouTube, thank you. Don't forget to click the subscribe button, like this video, tap the notification bell. That way you'll always know when you have new content to watch here from our Gifford YouTube page. Now on our YouTube page, we have other podcasts, important information from our medical team, videos showing why Gifford is a great place to work. And we also feature our Morgan Orchards Senior Living Community, which contains a 49-unit independent living facility and award-winning nursing home. You can now listen to the Gifford Provider Podcast in your car or while just going for a walk. Yeah, we're on Spotify. You do a search for Gifford and follow the podcast and also share it with your friends. Okay, so with that out of the way, Dr. Benoit, Talking about uh, foot care, so important. I think next to the back, I think the foot is probably the, the one part of the body that gives people the most problems in terms of pain. Is that safe to say? I would agree with you. We get, uh, you know, individuals, if they can't uh, do the stuff that they want to do because of their feet, they, they, they tend to call real quick and say, hey, I got to get in. And so we try to provide uh, timely care, get people in help them with their immediate issues uh, and get them back out doing what they want to do. So yeah, we stay pretty busy doing that kind of stuff. So before we get into a little bit more about, you know, things to look out for, if you are experiencing pain, what to do, what it could be, let's talk a little bit about you and your career. You've been here since at Gifford since 2007. What was it about in the beginning for you, uh, podiatry and following that path? Yeah. So when I got out of my residency, so I did a uh, three-year foot and ankle reconstructive uh, residency in Binghamton, New York, and my wife and I at that time, we really liked the East Coast. Um, we came from Iowa and did all of our education there, and then we came out to upstate New York-ish. I guess it's technically the southern tier to make it you know, official, but uh, we really liked the area, and so we decided to take a go at it. Um, ended up taking a job in a private practice in Syracuse, but it just, that wasn't, wasn't working out the way that I thought it was. And 
this great little hospital in central Vermont gave me a call after they reviewed my resume with them. And uh, we came to visit. I was blown away. I almost as if uh, walking in the door is the first time I said, I think I'm going to retire from this place. And uh, I've been here ever since. And I think it's great. I love this place. You know, I find with the, the more and more people I speak with, it's they've been here so long. It's either they just got here or they've been here for a really long time. And it's just, um, you know, the, your sentiments are kind of echoed with a lot of the other, like I said, staff that I, that I talked to. It's just that family atmosphere. It's a small hospital. And, um, you know, you, you're able to just kind of grow. And, and I think people are really surprised with a lot of the services that a smaller hospital like Gifford offers, including pediatric. Agreed. Um, it's, it's, I would say it's not unheard of, but to have three board certified podiatrists that do the whole complement of foot and ankle surgeries at a small critical access hospital in central Vermont, it, 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 there's not a lot of places that do it like we do it. Uh, we see the full complement of whatever comes through the doors. And uh, as a team, I think we work great together, not only, you know, in our individual practices, but also in camaraderie with each other, operating with each other, consulting with each other. So the reality is you may be seeing one of us, but there's three people right behind or three people together that are helping to take care of feet in our area. So it's, it's a great, I think it's a great service we provide here. And I think the facility itself really uh, embraces what we do, which makes it even better. Um, they really support us, administration and the nursing support staff. They really support what we do and make our job a lot easier. I know probably this question, you know, every each week differs, but can you kind of go through a typical week for you and what that looks like? Sure. So I see patients in the office Monday through Wednesday. Uh, we typically see them from eight o'clock to about four thirty, five o'clock, and those are outpatient uh, clinic visits. So, essentially, whatever kind of walks through the door, we're going to take care of. Thursday, I get to go to the operating room, and it's time where you get to uh, sort of get into the fun stuff that you were trained to do. Um, and you know, after hours, we take call. So the emergency department calls us every now and then. We do inpatient consults. But yeah, from Monday through Thursday, stay pretty busy in podiatry world. And then, well, after that, you go home and play dad and husband. The cool thing is, you know, about having podiatry world here at Gifford, you know, larger hospitals, you have to, you're on a waiting list for a fairly long time, especially nowadays with the staffing shortages as they are and hospital capacity. But it seems like, you know, the more word is getting out that, place like Gifford offers podiatry services, you can see people a lot shorter time than you could say the larger hospital. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think we really work hard to get people in in a timely fashion. And I think our front office, um, they really look at the consults coming in, the requests coming in. And we do try to prioritize people who are having more acute problems over chronic things. Not that the chronic things aren't important. I mean, every problem that an individual has is important to them and we try to make it our uh, priority to get people in. So let's say you have a really painful ingrown toenail and you can't go skiing this weekend. I sympathize with you because I want to ski too. So let's try to work you in. If we have to double book you, fine, we'll get you in. Um, it, it really is part of our whole philosophy to get people in in a timely fashion. Um, 
I really don't like to see it when people come in and say, I couldn't get in for a month. And I go, that's not good. We want to get you in sooner than that. So yeah, between the three of us, I think we do a pretty good job of helping out. Talked about uh, your training. So was there a moment that it, it just became clear to you that podiatry was the way to go? I mean, how did you get to, where, where did that interest come from? Um, so the old joke is I, I couldn't spell podiatry or I couldn't spell pediatrics. So I ended up in podiatry, but uh, I think that one's worn thin over the years. So as with all people, I think in college, at some point, you just kind of go, what am I going to do with this? Um, I had a great experience in doing uh, internships for part of your college curriculum when I was a junior. And there was a podiatrist just around the corner. Um, and my mom had actually gone to see a podiatrist and she said, you should check that out. My vision was always, I wanted to be a veterinarian. Um, and when I finished one of those internships, I thought to myself, I'm not sure that's my pathway. Uh, but when I met this podiatrist, um, I thought he was, it was just a neat experience. He was doing surgery. He was seeing patients uh, in the outpatient world, in his office. He was helping people with acute problems that, that needed to be seen. Um, so I looked into it and I thought, yeah, this is, this is something I, I think I'm interested in. And the more research I did into it, I thought this is, this is a good career path for me. Um, so I applied to podiatry schools and I ended up doing four years in Des Moines, which was a great experience. Still have lots of friends from that. And then three years of residency after that. And here I am. So it's a long pathway, but it's, I think it's definitely worth it. Was medicine always the path you were going to go on? It, it just didn't know, you didn't know at the time, like what form that would take. Right. So I could, there's not a lot you can do, I think, with your standard biology, you know, major. You either teach or you kind of go into medicine or research. It, it's the way I looked at it. And uh, my brother was pushing very hard for me to become a, a dentist because that's what he is. And his wife is a primary care doctor. And she's like, you should go into this. And I go, I don't want to do either of those things. I looked into orthopedics and I didn't think that was the path I wanted. I really wanted to kind of concentrate on one thing. And foot and ankle surgery just seemed like a, a nice way to go. I, I think the lifestyle is good. I think you really help people. I think you get to play with some cool toys. And in the end of the day, you go home and happy with what you do. How's the winters in Iowa compared to the winters in Vermont? Oh, Vermont's winters are cakewalks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, more snow here. Yeah. Wind chill out there will take your breath away. Um, I mean, we got more mountains and trees to knock down some of that wind chill and, and snow. We welcome here. We want it. So I'll take yeah. Vermont here. The economy thrives on it. It needs absolutely it needs cold weather. Okay. So, you know, you speaking of that, you know, you have a lot of people out right now, skiing, snowboarding, even in these, you know, sub-zero temperatures, um, you're going to probably see a lot of foot pain, ankle pain uh, along the way not just during the winter, obviously, but, you know, throughout the year, what's maybe the most common problem you do see? Um, it comes and goes. Uh, sometimes it's seasonal. Uh, a lot of individuals, I mean, it is really full spectrum. You can't predict based on any particular day. So we'll have individuals come in with nail problems, corns, calluses, and we provide that service. 
Uh, we get surgical consults, bunions, hammer toes, uh, your tendonitis stuff, Achilles tendon, posterior tibial tendon, wear and tear arthritis of joints. Um, so yeah, and then of course, always concerned for diabetic foot, diabetic foot infections, uh, things like that. It's uh, every day is different, which again, I think is a nice thing about podiatry. You just don't know what's coming in the door that day. Um, we get calls from the emergency department, fractures, dislocations. Um, it, it really is a lot, a lot of variety, which, which makes your day a lot more fun. It doesn't get real monotonous. Um, but I mean, this time of year, I don't we really don't see a lot of thermal injuries. Most of the uh, outdoor activities, people are pretty, pretty conscientious about how to take care of themselves, which is good. Every now and then you'll come in, you know, frostbites, things like that, but not very often. It really kind of sells down in the winter. How long should a person go experiencing foot pain before they should maybe see a podiatrist, make a phone call? You know, sometimes the pain just goes away, yep. but, um, you know, how long should they wait? Hard to answer that. I mean, I think some obvious things, if you have a problem where your foot is red, hot, swollen, and you can't walk on it, that's a big deal. Um, that should be seen more sooner than later. If you have something a little achy, kind of persistent discomfort, and it's not significantly inhibiting your desired activities, maybe wait a little while, you know, your usual ibuprofen, Tylenol, rest, kind of monitor things, maybe modify some activities. Um, but certainly if it is a real concern to you that it could produce or turn into a, a larger issue, we're, we're happy to see you. I mean, even if it's for nothing, at least you have the peace of mind that it's nothing. And we'd rather have you have peace of mind than, um, you know, wait and wait and wait. And then something goes really bad. So I guess I, to answer your question specifically, there isn't a, a time frame I would say wait till. Uh, but at any time, we welcome phone calls. Our nursing and our support staff, I mean, they can, they can really vet through patients with just some simple questions. And we'll pretty much know whether or not something needs to be seen now. So a lot of the foot problems, you know, they could either be in the heel, it could be in the toes, it could be just the arch. How, how much of proper footwear goes into foot pain? And especially when you're talking about an, an arch, maybe if you're flat footed. Yep. I think it's essential. I mean, some common sense, obviously, if you're going to go hike the long trail, maybe not flip-flops, probably not a good choice in a pair of Crocs, just throwing that out there for people. Um, a good pair of hiking boots would be better. Um, if you're going to be at the beach, yeah, flip-flops, great, good idea. Um, but, you know, if you can wear a good pair of lace-up supportive shoes, you're probably doing okay. Um, not everybody needs to have custom footbeds uh, or custom orthotics. Uh, but I, I do think that wearing the appropriate shoe gear in the appropriate environment is going to make your life a lot easier. So cold climates, warm shoes, warm boots, um, beach, flip-flops. That's okay. What's a, what's a good, <laughs> what's a good way to, to test, you know, if you are flat footed, is there a, I mean, maybe you can do obvious, maybe the obvious answer just by looking, but, um, if there's something you can just, you know, don't know if you have that archway pain and you, you're kind of in between. 
I'd say call your podiatrist and come in and take a look. How's that for a plug? That's a pretty good um, one. <laughs> so, I mean, not every individual that's flat-footed has a lot of symptomatic issues. Um, so we have people that have high arched foot, regular, flat foot. I mean, there's not necessarily something that's going in those in that realm going to cause a problem. Um, but there are some pathologies that can certainly develop from any of those things. And it can be, you know, from overuse, it can be types of shoes. Um, but if one is really concerned about um, an issue from flat-footedness, then I'd say, give us a call. I mean, one of the biggest things we like to do is educate people. I think uh, my colleagues and I really like to talk to people to answer their questions. Um, so if there's a real concern about anything regarding the foot or ankle, just come in and see us. Um, I don't think that you one has to be particularly concerned about having an arch or not having an arch. What I'd be more concerned about if an individual comes in and they're having pain and swelling. And then if we look at it biomechanically, we say, yeah, we could probably help you out. You have no arch. We can help you restore that either conservatively or possibly reconstructive surgery. Going back to the, the cold or the winter, I know sometimes that um, if I'm just sitting on the couch and it's cold and even if the heat's on the house, I get like numbness in my toes. And, you know, don't know if that's, a, is that a circulation issue or something? You know, I'm sure I'm, I'm not alone in that. When you have that tingling or numbness, what does that mean? What could that, what could that lead to? What could that be, you know, a part of? We, I, I get a lot of patients who come in with a similar concern. They, they have numbness at certain times. Um, numbness is one of those really difficult things in my world because it can be just about anything. Normally, it's not going to be a circulatory issue. Um, usually a circulatory issue, quickly and easily diagnosed, we can palpate for pulses or listen on an ultrasound. Um, but numbness can be caused from a variety of things. I don't particularly treat numbness unless I can find the root cause of it. And that can come from, you know, chronic back pain, uh, entrapment of a nerve. Um, it can come from the types of shoes one might be wearing. It could come from activities. It's, it's really hard to narrow it down right out of the gates. In the event that we do suspect there's a nerve entrapment, then oftentimes we'll get nerve conduction studies done from neurology. And if we can isolate the nerve or the area that's entrapped, then we can do either diagnostic blocks or therapeutic blocks. And ultimately, if we can't resolve with that, it might be um, surgical release of it. So things like a tarsal tunnel release or doing a Morton's neuroma decompression or excision. But uh, yeah, it's, it's really hard if someone tells me, yeah, I got numb feet. And then trying to figure out why can be uh, sometimes a challenge mentioned earlier, um, and this kind of leads into that, you mentioned earlier about diabetic foot care and sure. how important that is. And of course, circulation or, or the things that you're describing, numbness, to, you know, you can see that most commonly with diabetics. Um, if you can, speak a little bit about, you know, that part of foot care, you know, uh, people with diabetes and the importance of really maintaining their blood sugar levels because what could happen uh, to their feet if, if not taken care of? Yeah, unfortunately, part of my job oftentimes is uh, amputating parts that could have been saved with some simple measures. And we do a fair amount of amputations because of 
um, individuals who just aren't taking care of their feet, but maybe not taking them care of themselves overall. So I think diabetes is, is really a team effort. Um, I think Gifford does a great job from primary care all the way through specialty care, trying to manage diabetics. Um, but in terms of podiatry, you know, we like to see diabetic patients typically once a year is a, is a reasonable time frame to get in. And if we have concerns, we usually voice those to the patients during those office visits. If I don't have a concern about your feet, your blood sugars are well controlled and you're a well-educated individual, then you know I may not have to see you for a while. But if you come in and you are diabetic and you're complaining of numbness in your feet, or you have areas where you're developing recurring calluses, which may result in ulcerations, or you have deformity of your feet, that might be a concern that might break down. So these are all things that we would educate patients on and hopefully try to help them to sort of navigate through preventative care. Uh, because that's the biggest thing is if we can prevent a problem from occurring, then the likelihood is, you know, I'm not gonna need to do something more aggressive on your foot or your ankle. Um, but the biggest thing is I tell diabetics all the time, if you have a concern, call us, come see us. Be more proactive than reactive. Um, get in there and talk to either your primary care, call us, we'll get you in and take a look at it. Even the smallest thing sometimes can become a big deal if it's left untreated. And we have plenty of services for people with diabetes. You can just go to our website, giffordhealthcare.org, look under services, and uh, we, have, we can have you covered if you are a person with diabetes in terms of, you know, measures to keep your blood sugar in check. And then, of course, as Dr. Benoit says, if you have food issues, you know, you can work with, with them as well. How often do you, uh, you know, do you see people who have pain, they come in and there's like a stress fracture and they've been kind of walking around with a stress fracture because you can't, those are subtle, right? And you, you know, you just think, well, I stubbed my toe or well, I'm, I'm, you know, it hurts when I walk, but it kind of goes away. You know, how, how common is that? I, I see a fair amount of stress fractures and a lot of them get referred um, because they're having pain that just seems to be persistent weeks, sometimes even into months. And oftentimes they'll see their primary care provider, or maybe they'll go to an urgent care and they'll get plain x-rays and they'll say, well, no fracture. And then they'll end up in our office. You know, stress fractures are one of those things, high clinical index of suspicion. You poke in the right spot and it hurts right there. It could be a stress fracture, even though radiographically it may not show anything. So I tend to get some further imaging and oftentimes that imaging will confirm diagnosis. Um, but yeah, stress fractures from overuse, people getting back out, exercising, trying to lose some weight, whatever. I mean, these things happen. Uh, management wise, it's pretty straightforward. You're just gonna have to back off on your activities. Um, but stress fractures themselves, pretty straightforward, I think, in terms of diagnosis for most individuals. It's pain that seems to get worse the more you use it. Oftentimes you'll see some swelling in a particular area. Um, and these things really do inhibit your desired activities. So we want to get you back doing what you want to do. Is that something that just happens? I mean, it just, it just happens. It's wear and tear, or is it there's something that can be prevented, you know, prevented to do that? Or is like, maybe again, does it come down footwear or is it just something that if you're active on it, you can just land the wrong way and something happens? Yeah. Sometimes it's just bad luck. 
Um, I, unfortunately, it's one of those things, but certainly shoe gear can play into it, your activities. So if you're, you know, spending the winter on the couch and then you decide on a beautiful spring day, I'm going to go run five miles. That might not be the best idea. Maybe work yourself into it a little bit. Uh, give your body a little chance to build up the stamina, the strength. Um, you know, those types of things happen. Um, we do see oftentimes vitamin D deficiencies up here that can sometimes play into it. I mean, the sun seems to shine in Vermont once every seven years. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's a thing that we found. Uh, we sometimes draw vitamin D on people and that can be insufficient. So we talk about supplementing the vitamin D deficiencies. Uh, but yeah, you know, footbed uh, or foot shoe gear, things like that, that all plays into it too. If, uh, if I could find somebody who just sits on the couch all winter and then just decides to get up one day and run five miles, that they should be the next guest on this podcast because I don't know how they would, how you would be able to pull. I know I couldn't pull something off like that. I could get up to the couch, and maybe run five feet without getting winded, but that's, yeah. that's pretty much <laughs> uh, Let's, um, so we talked about, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about that, getting up, you know, going for a run, going for, you know, skiing. And you are, one of your clinical interests is in sports medicine. And, when you look at Vermont, we're not the home to professional athletes. We're not, the, you know, we, we do have some college athletes here, but, you know, I would imagine a lot of the stuff that you see isn't quite the pro athlete. And I think we talked about this with, with Troy Stratton, one of our earlier podcasts. It's the logger. It's the, uh, it's the farmer. You know, Vermont is unique in that way that we have, you know, there's people who have jobs out there that is just as much strain and stress on the body as a professional athlete. Most definitely. Um, a lot of our patients in around this area, as you said, uh, they work outdoors, they work hard, they've got to get back to work. And uh, we, 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 I think, pride ourselves on trying to find treatment plans that suit the needs of the individuals around us. Um, no, I don't think we have a whole lot of pro athletes, but that doesn't mean that uh, your feet are any less important. So these, these people, uh, including ourselves around here, I mean, we're all active and we want to remain active. And I think uh, it's good for both mind and soul uh, and body for that matter. Um, and we want to keep people moving. So I, I feel like uh, the population around here is, is, is very active in their desired activities. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on here. People do a lot of things and they have a lot of different interests. Uh, it always surprises me talking to patients on all the different stuff they do. Uh, I mean, I enjoy skiing. I like being outside, mountain biking, all those fun things. And I, I couldn't imagine if my feet were hurting bad enough that it inhibited me from what I wanted to do. So, yeah. Do you, when you're out there, do you take any precautions such as taping your ankles or taping your feet? I mean, is that anything that you do or is something you recommend people do if depending on the activity? Not necessarily. I mean, individually, um, I like, I, you know, I ski a lot in the winter. Um, I bought boot heaters game changer for me because my feet are always cold. I have no circulatory issues. They're just cold. So that was a real game changer for me. Um, but no, I don't, I don't do anything really specific, uh, when I'm out doing my stuff, I just think appropriate shoe gear for the activity you're participating in. So, you know, I enjoy running. I'd like mountain biking, downhill mountain biking. And there's some, there's some de decent 
if not super cool gear out there to use and it it really enhances your experience um but no nothing real specific about taping or or maintenance in that way i know over this for, for as long as i can remember every so often i have this terrible throbbing pain in my big toe and it would swell and what would happen is it would i would have to drink and yeah. that from the result of an ingrown toenail and you know every now and then it would flare up and i there would be days where i couldn't even walk on the foot and i would soak it in you know warm hot bath with with salt and you know let it drain out and then it'd be you know take a couple of days to do that then i'm fine for however long and finally Last summer, I said, enough of this. Um, it hurts when you have to drain it. It hurts when it, when it happens. So I had the surgery done here to um, to take care of the ingrown toenail. How often is a problem with those? And um, I, you know, my toe is fine now, pain-free. It's, it's been now six months. And you know, usually by now, I'd have some sort of redness or flare-up, and, and now nothing. Yeah, um, those are one of the things that we... Uh or I should say, I feel strongly, we should get those patients in because ingrown toenails just suck. I mean, they, they hurt. And uh, we get calls all the time saying, you know, I've had this for a few days and I just can't do anything. It's killing me. Uh, we want to get you in and fix it. Um, then there's a variety of ways to do it from doing little simple um, nail cutting or what we call slant back procedure to doing what's called a matrixectomy, which is a removal or, of a portion or all of the nail permanently. Um, but yeah, we want to get you in and take care of that because those are no fun for anybody. Um, nothing's worse than having to walk around and have that pain in the big toe jamming in your shoes all day long. It just confuses your brain. And, and I have to imagine with all the buildup that's in there, that can't be healthy for you either. I mean, that's that, that could probably lead to infection. Definitely. I mean, essentially that nail irritating the skin creates a portal of entry for bacteria and that bacteria can get in there and just cause havoc. So oftentimes, you know, individuals will see maybe their primary care provider, or maybe they'll see their uh, urgent care provider in their area. And unless they remove the offending portion of the nail, that is going to continue to cycle. So we see patients that are put on antibiotics or they're instructed to soak uh, and they say, it's just not getting better, doc. And I say, okay, let's, let's do something a little more involved here. And usually that takes care of the problem um, for at least, you know, six months to a year for some people. But if we do it more permanently, then, you know, no problem in the future at all. And people do really well. I mean, uh, people tend to be a little scared that we're holding needles and holding them toward their toes. But when it's all said and done, they, they all agree it was worth it. Now you get numbed up and um, you don't even know what's happening. And, you know, I think I felt pain afterwards for maybe a day and a half. And, you know, just, it was nothing compared to the pain you're feeling when you have the ingrown toenail. Exactly. Yeah. What is, you know, I, I'm curious, what is an ingrown toenail? How does that happen? And is it just a genetic thing? And, and is something that develops over time? What, what is it? Yeah, it can be a variety of reasons. Uh, genetic playing into them. You know, we have patients that come and said, oh, yeah, grandma and grandpa, mom and dad, they, they had these for years and they got theirs dug out. Um, other times, just uh, like I said before, poor luck. You know, you cut your nail the wrong way and it just kind of grew in. Uh, sometimes it has to do with maybe a fungus infection of the toenail. That fungus thrives on the toenail, causing it to become more thickened and incurvated. 
Um, sometimes you just jam it wrong, put it in a pair of shoes. I don't know, go skiing all day. And uh, it just kept getting pushed and pushed and finally it digs in. So yeah, we get it. We get a variety of stories on how they think it started, but ultimately it's going to be the same outcome. Let's go fix it. Um, so how about um, and another, you know, problem for, for a lot of people out there is bone spurs and um, sure. especially on the heel. What is a bone spur? And, you know, what are some of the signs that you may have one and you may have to get it looked at and checked out? So oftentimes we get referrals and patients use the same terminology. I, my doctor said I have a bone spur. How do I get rid of it? And it's typically not going to be the bone spur that is the problem. We usually see patients for heel pain and nine times out of 10, it's going to be plantar fasciitis, which is inflammation of a band of ligament on the bottom of your heel. 90% um, of the time we can manage that conservatively uh, with some simple education, uh, some simple stretching, maybe some inserts in your shoes, anti-inflammatories. Sometimes we have to do a cortisone injection, um, but rarely do we ever have to take an individual to the operating room and work on it. Um, so I think our conservative management works really well for plantar fasciitis, but there are times when patients come in and they truly have heel spurs. They'll have an insertional enthesiopathy or inflammation for instance, of their Achilles tendon, and they've got a large bone spur in the back of their heel. So those, even though, you know, conservative management can sometimes calm it down, those sometimes end up having to have surgery to remove them. Um, but most of the time when patients are complaining that they have a bothersome heel spur, it's usually an inflammation of that band of ligament and not necessarily the spur. So those spurs that we see radiographically, they've been there for a long time. They, they took a long time to kind of grow and uh, deposit bone in that area. Whereas most people will report plantar fasciitis has only been around a month or a few weeks. So it's more about education and then realistic expectations and management. Is there anything you can do preemptively to avoid, you know, plantar fasciitis or, or you know, bone spur like that? Absolutely. So first and foremost, Good supportive shoes are going to be your friend. Um, walking around inside your home barefoot or in stocking foot, especially if you're starting to have heel pain, that's kind of a no-no. Stretching is going to be the mainstay treatment for preventative care. I mean, I think, as you probably would agree, everybody needs to stretch more. It's just good, especially as we get a little older, things tighten up a little bit. So being active, keeping things moving, stretching out things are all good. Um, you know, if you start to notice a little twinge of pain down in your heel, maybe kind of reevaluate what you're doing, the types of shoes you're wearing, how you're, how you're getting around. And maybe a little simple modification like that will kind of nip it right before it gets really bad. But certainly if it starts to get flared up and it's really uncomfortable, by all means, come see us. We, we would rather see the patient and kind of help them to get it gone faster. Nothing's more frustrating than seeing a patient who said, I've been dealing with this for six months and I don't know what to do. Because um, then I sympathize that, wow, you've been dealing with heel pain for six months. That's got to be really uncomfortable. So let's get this going. Talk about inserts. Should people just go out and, and get them if they feel they need them? Should they consult with a podiatrist such as, you know, like you first? Or, you know, one of the, and what do you recommend when people are looking for insoles for their feet? I don't necessarily think everybody needs insoles. Um, 
they do have some, I mean, we have some great over-the-counter inserts or footbeds. Um, I carry a variety here um, that suit the needs of most people. I, but again, I don't think everybody needs them. I think first and foremost, evaluate your footwear. I mean, if your footwear is well over a year to a year and a half old and you're a high mileage kind of person, start with that. Start with some new shoes and that can make a big difference for a lot of people. The insert is only going to be as good as the shoe that you put it in. So um, even if you know, you're wearing a really worn out pair of boots or shoes and you decide to throw an insert and see if it helps, it probably isn't going to do a great job. Um, if you really have the feeling that inserts are the way you go, I would definitely go see a podiatrist to kind of talk about what a good pair of inserts is versus a poor pair. Um, and then that brings into custom orthotics. So custom orthotics are going to be something that's custom fabricated for your foot. It will work or hopefully work much better than any of the over-the-counter products. Um, and they last a heck of a lot longer. And we can, we can take a look at an individual's foot and kind of make an assessment um, because oftentimes if you can control some of the biomechanics of an individual's foot, you can help prevent some of the issues that can occur over time. So we, we do, I think we do a great job looking at somebody's foot and kind of talking about what things may help them in the activities they desire. So you're a runner. Yeah, I was a runner. I'm trying to get back into it again and walk, but you can obviously speak to this too. When you, you, I have a pair of running sneakers and I have a pair of walking sneakers and they're still the same type. They're still the same style, but I use one pair for running and one pair for walking because when you're running, your foot does different, you know, have, you have different impressions than when you're yeah. walking. So if you, if you start running for, you know, three miles a day, every day for a week or whatever, and you really get the impressions in there, you start walking on those sneakers, that's going to cause some problems, right? I like, the, I like your idea. I do like having a pair of running shoes. These are the shoes I put on mentally. It says, this is what I'm doing with these shoes today. Go for a run. And I do, I like to have shoes that I wear doing my normal activities throughout the day. I think having a dedicated pair is, is a good idea. Um, it, it's almost like, you know, change your clothes for an activity. It, you're ready to go. So yeah, I agree with you. Having a good pair of running shoes is, is fun. And no, I'm not a runner. I only run because I have to. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, you, yeah. That's when you, when you get on the scale, that's when I become a runner. Yeah. It's uh, torture. <laughs> <laughs> but um, when you are looking for, and this could be a silly question, I don't know, but like when you're looking for a pair of shoes or a pair of sneakers and, you know, you think you're a size eight or a size nine and a half or size 10, how do you really know what your actual foot size is? And how, do, when you're trying on a, foot, a pair of shoes, sneakers, you know, what's the, you, you always see people feel for that big toe and how yep. much room you have there. How much room should you have? And, um, you know, how do you know if you need a wide? So I like to say I'm not Al Bundy. I know that's an old joke. I got it though. I got yeah. it. <laughs> um, shoes are one of those things that I think there's some real general rules of thumb when it comes to picking out a decent supportive shoe. Um, I tend to send individuals to some of the better shoe stores because I feel strongly that those people can help 
find the right pair of shoes. I give generalized guidelines to individuals when they come see us in the office, as well as my colleagues. They'll, they'll say, these are some of the guidelines for a good supportive pair of shoes, but let's get you someone who can go through the specific models that might suit your needs. Trying to keep up, and I did try earlier in my career to keep up with the models that would come in year in, year out, and we'd modify our uh, handouts to individuals saying, these are the models we now recommend based upon you know, the changes that have occurred. But it seems like they're changing models every six months. Um, I can't keep up anymore. So I just say, you know, these are some general guidelines and educate the individuals on that type of shoe that would best suit the needs of not only their activities, but their foot type. And then usually we write down some of those general shoes and send them down to um, some of the local uh, shoes vendors that do a really good job. Um, and most of the time, I got to say, they come back and they're very pleased. Um, so yeah, the types of shoes uh, can be very important, especially in the activities. Um, so yeah, I don't have any specific uh, types of shoes or models other than, uh, other than what will suit your need at the time. So it never hurts to just consult with somebody. Uh, I agree, yourself. yeah. yeah. So we've uh, we've run the gamut of uh, of topics here, you know, from uh, for diabetics to to people who are running to um, if you're experiencing, you know, pain all all around the foot. Uh, last thing is just you know we haven't really touched on the ankle pain as much. I think you you pretty much know if you've turned your ankle. You pretty much know if you you sprained your ankle. Are yep. there you know are there little nagging things that can come with with the ankle and you know. When it comes to being a podiatrist, is the ankle the most, what's the most delicate part? Is it the, you know, the, the part that you know, really have to be the most careful with? Is it, is it the toes? Is it the heel? Is, there, is it the ankle? I don't think I can answer that one. The most oh, delicate so part. It's the one that, I, it's the part that I put the needle in. That's the part yeah. that's most delicate for patients. I guess it's the small toe if you, if you stub it. That, yeah, that seems to be a big one. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, ankle, we see a lot of ankle sprains and, uh, the thing about ankle sprains is I think if you can aggressively treat them, people tend to do better, faster, and over the long haul, that ankle will be much better. Um, I tend to be very aggressive with ankle sprains. I always try to immobilize them, get the swelling under control, get them stabilized. And I think physical therapy is an integral part of this. Uh, if we can get you in to see a therapist and get that ankle actively moving again, get the swelling down, get your pain under control, then your outcomes are going to be better over time. We get a lot of referrals from the emergency department because patients come in, they're concerned they may have, you know, even in a twist may have fractured their ankle because they can't walk on it. And it's no fun if you can't put any weight down on something. So we try to get them in very quickly, get things evaluated get a treatment protocol in place. And uh, the patients do much better after that. And plus it gives them peace of mind that nothing's broken. This is gonna be something that passes. Uh, so yeah, ankle sprains are, are we see a lot of those, um, especially as you said, we have a very active population outdoors. People roll their ankles a lot. Do, do you, have you seen a time where somebody's come in with, with what they think is an ankle sprain and it's something completely different or vice versa? Oh, most definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, a story that comes to mind was a, uh, a very pleasant elderly gentleman who fell out of his tree stand and he says, oh, I rolled my ankle. And then, you know, you go, okay, let's take a look at it. 
yeah, you, you didn't roll it. It's fractured in more than one place. And he, he made it out of his tree stand back to his four wheeler, back to his truck. Um, his wife wasn't particularly pleased with him because of all these things, but yeah, we ended up taking him to surgery and fixing his ankle for him. So that was a surprising one. I was, uh, I was quite surprised he made it as far as he did on how bad he had broken it. Just, well, I guess it's the grit of Vermonters, right? We're just determined people <laughs> and stubborn people, which is why um, if you're experiencing any foot pain at all, uh, ankle pain, you should, uh, and it's been lingering, you should consult with a podiatrist like Dr. Benoit. Any uh, last words or words of advice uh, before we let you go here today? Uh, like I said, we've talked about uh, so many different types of issues. Uh, no, I'd just like to thank you for the opportunity. This is my first podcast that I ever did. I really enjoyed it. I think it's a, it's a neat way to get out, reach a lot of people, and educate them on what we do, and also all the fine uh, things that Gifford has to offer our community. So I, I thank you. I appreciate it. Oh, no problem. I, you know, it's, it's funny. You know, I've been kind of, the people I've been interviewing uh, so far, this is our seventh episode, and we do Doom Monthly. And you can see all of them right now on uh, Spotify, on our YouTube channel as well. But uh, each one of them, for, and I don't do this on purpose, I just have had some weird connection to to most of it. Uh, you know, like like this one today with the ingrown toenail. I just happened to have taken advantage of those services. Um, you know, going back to nutrition and, and talking about nutrition over the holidays. And, you know, I think we're all, you know, subject to that where somebody brings in a bunch of cookies you know that they that they baked and you're trying to keep you maintain your weight through the holidays and that's tempting and so there seems to be a, a little connection with everything we've discussed and um so it just goes to show you that you know we all have the same issues i think and having someone like yourself on to talk about you know what it's like the, the foot is you really don't hear a lot of stuff information about it we all feel pain we all experience issues with the feet now you know thanks to you we've got some tips we know some things to look out for and uh, even if you don't don't live in our area you can't make a phone call you can't come see uh, yourself or, or the other uh, podiatrists in our department you know, at least now you maybe have some tools that you can kind of move and go forward with and um, that I think when it comes to the foot um, we're on them all the time and uh, all the time all the time and like I said I think next to the back it's really one of the parts of the body that can be such a such a nuisance yeah yeah when they hurt it can be debilitating no doubt all right dr Benoit, i did a lot of talking there at the end but i wanted to thank you again for for being on here and uh, you're always welcome and uh, we'll uh, keep an eye on everything you're doing if you need to uh, get in touch with dr Benoit, you can go on our website giffordhealthcare.org uh, go under the services tab you can find our podiatry and foot care services there i really highly recommend it for people with diabetes, if uh, to, to, again, to help get your diabetes under control, um, talk about your options. We have a lot of uh, options for you there as well. And again, our podcast on Spotify, just do a search for Gifford and uh, give us a follow and maybe even uh, write a review or two about the podcast. That'll help us out a lot. You can go to our YouTube channel, subscribe, like the video, Click the notifications bell. We will be back here next month with another uh, Gifford Provider podcast where we are caring for you for life. Dr. Bright, thanks again. Thank you so much. Thank you.